Well, welcome to another episode of Good Old Sports. This is actually the first episode of the live edition, the daily edition, and I'm your host, Riley Pate, best friend, co-host, business partner, all the above, Adrian Hernan. Yes, we're going to be working out the kinks on the visual presentation because this was our first day kind of diving into that, yep. but we're excited that we finally got to this point with Good Old Sports. Yeah, man, it's uh, very exciting. It's very... Uh new <laughs> but it's gonna be fun it's gonna be uh a lot of stuff that we have packed in uh to talk about and going into this playoff season uh nfl wrapped up uh last night and so going on going into this playoff season uh it's gonna be heavy because we got some really good teams uh that have into the playoff bracket and uh also uh with college football tonight on the tail end of its season with TCU and Georgia going head-to-head. So, yeah, a lot to get to. And we're if you're new to this, uh, especially joining on the live, not used to listening to the podcast, uh, shows that we've been doing this will be a two-hour show each day from 9 to 11. We're going to be going live uh, here. We're going to be going live on some other places in the near future, going to be posting it on uh, wherever you get your podcast. And again, that'll be 9 to 11. You can also follow us on TikTok at uh, good old sports underscore East Tex uh, there and uh, find highlights and different things that we post throughout the day and throughout the week uh, on there as well. We're going to be adding sponsors to this, so you're going to be able to hear about some local businesses, all those things. We're also going to be uploading this video to YouTube so that we can yeah. uh, get it out there if you're not able to see it live. So, hey, a lot going on. Just wanted to Welcome y'all into what's going on here uh, for RNA Media and also, more importantly, the good old sports world as we cover sports from local all the way up uh, to the college uh, or the professional level. So we're excited, but let's jump right on in. Not going to start where you know we, we might would think. Uh, we're going to actually start with some things going on in the NBA that are, things are getting a little tense. Uh, in some situations over there, and I want to start off with the controversy in L.A. You know, we we talked last week about how you know Lakers maybe kind of getting some things together. Yeah, and LeBron sticks his little head up and puts some uh, controversy in there and says, "Hey, what are we doing? Why are we not making trades?" Oh well, okay, I will kind of side with LeBron on this because as of what I found out Friday, Kimba Walker. Uh, is now on the trade market. Yes. And so, I would ask the question too. Why aren't you making moves to get a guy like that? Now, he's a guy that can go well with LeBron. He's a guy that can go well with AD. Um, You should be making moves to get him, to sign him. I don't blame LeBron on this one. I I go for it. Uh, I'd go for it. Because at this point, so the Lakers at this point, they play tonight. They play the uh, Nuggets tonight. But they're on a five-game win streak. Mm-hmm. And they've played their butts off these last, especially this last game against, um, who'd they play? Uh, the, the Hawks, Atlanta. They, yeah. It got down to the wire, and, you know, they, they pulled out a win. So they've been playing well, and this is all on uh, not having AD in the mix. And, you know, so they're starting to figure it out. They're starting to figure the rotations out. Uh, who meshes mesh well with who, and 
who can do what. And that's what we've been talking about with the Lakers, you know, this last month is can they figure out if, if they can play with each other without LeBron, without AD, and they've proven that. And well, so, they, they actually play better without LeBron, but that's... Well, okay, and, and yeah, as a well, team. as a team. And, and here's what gets me. So this these statements come after he had a 37.8 rebound, 7 assist performance against, of course, Sacramento. They won that game 136 to 134. And that get them, you know, got them to the five game. Yeah, that was the last game. It wasn't. The uh, but this is what he said to the athletic. He said, "Y'all know what the F should be happening. I don't need to talk." Uh, previously, back uh, in November, he was on the shop, which was a podcast. He said uh, he lamented the lack of talent around Green Bay. Uh, he went on to say, "When you've got a transcendent franchise player like Aaron Rodgers." Why wouldn't you surround that when you've got the picks to maximize what he can do? So he was kind of shining some light on that. Then later in December, after they had that, you know, they went on that five-game losing streak previous to that, mm-hmm. and he uh, questioned how long he could keep playing in such a situation. He said, quote, I'm a winner, and I want to win. I want to win and give myself a chance to win and still compete for championships. Playing basketball at this level just to be playing basketball is not in my DNA. It's not my DNA anymore. We'll see what happens and see how fresh my mind stays over the next couple of years. So, I, I guess my deal with this is uh, this is a situation clearly that's been brewing in LA. We've been talking about almost ad nauseum on this show about you know how long do you allow LeBron to dictate your franchise? How long do you allow that to affect the future? <laughs> All of that. You finally kind of get to winning, even with him on the court. Yeah. He's playing decently well, so, and now he's going. Well, what do we do? It now he's again trying to dictate well, what's going on. Okay, so I see what LeBron has been doing all these years. Is he does it? He makes subtle comments. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not anything that's heavy pressure, but they're subtle and they're to the point. Where mm-hmm. you know they're the, they're those crucial jab shots. Yeah, what he's doing is he's putting Rob Palenka on notice, saying, "Hey." Yeah, we're winning. I'm scoring, but you might want to do something before. But, but that's not his job. It's not, and they, I agree. They, they have hired I Rob Polinka. They pay Rob Polinka. That's Rob Polinka's job. Now, I don't like Rob Polinka. I don't think he's done a good job in L.A. I don't think that he has a backbone to him. I think he's made some moves that don't make sense for the future. You know, he mortgaged the future to get LeBron and keep LeBron happy and do all of those things. But having said that. Now all of a sudden that you're winning ball games, LeBron wants to take back over. He, you know, he wanted to say, "Well, we don't have shooters. I didn't do this, and I." Didn't. But now he's wanting to take credit again, wanting to to get back on the bandwagon, take back over. I, I'm just not buying it. At some point, somebody's gonna have to tell LeBron, "Listen, you're just a basketball player. Like you're not the GM, you're not the owner, you're not the coach, you're, you're none of that. You're just a basketball player." Yes, we're paying you a lot of money. Yes, we brought you in, you know, to kind of reinstate the Laker brand. But at the end of the day, you're just a basketball player. And I'm just waiting for the day when somebody does that. Maybe it takes an AD. Maybe it takes uh, a, a Pat Beverly. And then on top of that, there are reports that Pat Beverly wants out. That he, he would like to go uh, back to Minnesota. Uh, this is a report, according to Jake Fisher, on his "Please Don't Aggregate" po- uh, aggregate this podcast. Uh, he says, "Quote: 
the the Los Angeles Lakers veteran point guard definitely would like to go back to Minnesota. He is in LA currently, but has made it known that he would like to go back, possibly to the Timberwolves. He wants out. So you brought this guy in because he's Coach Ham's guy. You know, he, he's that kind of player. He wanted to instate some physicality. He wanted to bring a mental toughness, so you bring in Pat Bev. That seems to be working. When LeBron's out of the picture, him, AD, Russell Westbrook, it's kind of their show. They've got their own thing going on. But you're in uh, LeBron, back into the picture. AD, you know, of course, is injured. But you put LeBron back in, all of a sudden LeBron's demanding trades again. Pat Bev's saying, listen, if this is how things are going to be run, you know, send me elsewhere. I'm not going to be a part of this circus. This it comes back to what I've been saying for weeks. At some point, you have got to look out for the Lakers franchise. Not today, not next week, not even the next month. Now, you know, you're going to get a lot of chatter as we kind of move into this part of the NBA season. Right, right. The trade deadline, all of that. But at some point, somebody, whether it's Jeannie Buss, Rob Polinka, whoever, has got to stand up and say, we're going to do what's best for the Lakers. We're not going to do what's best for LeBron James or to cover our bases because we've made all of these financial commitments. We're going to do what's best for the future. Now, LeBron James can't be traded, but he can be benched. And, I, I, I mean, at what point do you not step up and say, you know what, that's it, we've had enough. Yeah, but it's going to take a, and we've talked about this before, it's going to take a hard-nosed coach to do that. But I, I do agree that, you know, Pat Bev is probably looking around and saying, okay, uh, you know, we're winning. And, and he's been playing good, you know. He's been he's been playing his role. But I I don't think it's more so him thinking, you know, okay, this is this is a bad, bad idea. I don't think it's too much that. I think it's, he, you know, he's looking at, okay, I have a better, I played a bigger role in Minnesota than I do with the Lakers. Because with the Lakers, he's coming off the bench. In Minnesota, he had a starting role. With the Lakers, he's coming off the bench. I agree, but it still goes back to these problems didn't surface until LeBron came back. Because before it was, hey, they have to play with me. I'm not playing with them. They're playing with me. You know, he kind of brought that edge that Darvin Ham yeah. supposedly wants. You know, that kind of... That's his philosophy. I, so why I mean, would you keep a guy who doesn't fit the philosophy versus a guy who yeah, does? I, I do agree that, and I'll say this about LeBron: it's he knows the game. That's unquestioned. He knows it well, and that's you know without question. You 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 can't doubt that he knows the game very well. He don't make the right calls sometimes. He don't, and sometimes this, and that's why I say he throws subtle jabs. It's not any, but they're crucial. So I, I say this, I say this because I do want the Lakers to make some moves. I do think that you know you could use a Kimball Walker. You could, you mean very well use a Kimball Walker. But in this situation, what makes it odd is that LeBron is saying this at a point where they're on a streak. Yeah. A winning streak, you You're know, winning. They're, they're winning and they're playing very good. They're playing good basketball. How, how do you and, keep the locker room if you're already well, saying stuff like this? That's my question. They look to LeBron as a leader, and so they're looking at LeBron's leader. This, this, if he's saying it, then it's not saying it must be true, but there's something, it's something to look into. Yeah, and 
so him being the leader of that team, if he's seeing something's out of whack, then something must be. Then you got to look at what Coach Darvin Ham is doing. You got to look at what Palinka is going to do. Um, but and see, Darvin, that's the problem. But Darvin, Darvin Ham is doing what doing his job exactly. That's my problem. LeBron's not in charge. The players, the 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 young guys are going to okay, look to yeah. him, but he's not in charge. Yeah. But I'll say this. I'll say this. And so this is the, and this is the difference between LeBron James and Kobe Bryant because this comparison has been brought up for two decades now. Mm-hmm. Is the difference is is that LeBron James looks at a team and says, "Hmm, I don't want him. I don't need him. Yep. I need him." And when that happens, he'll trade a slew of guys to get one person. And if that didn't work so, out, he'll famously yeah, claim so he didn't do. We'll we we talked about this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago is that when that happens, when you're looking at building a super team, that super team may last two, I mean, three to five years. Let's just put it there. Three to five years. It don't last long. The difference with Kobe in comparison is Kobe didn't need other superstars around him. Kobe made the players that were around him, he made them better. Yeah. Uh, In which, and, and you would think like LeBron, that LeBron James would get it. And that he would do that, but it's the it's almost the complete DNA. opposite. Yeah. yeah, it's the opposite because you look at when LeBron get, James came in, he was the youngest player on the Cavaliers, eighteen years old. You know, uh, he all he came into a, a onto a team where already developed players. He came into a league where that was just taking off. The NBA was flourishing at that point. Again, you know. You, you come in, you're under, after Kobe Bryant, you know. Kobe Bryant at this point when LeBron comes in, Kobe Bryant is on his, at a peak. Mm-hmm. And so you're playing, you're, you're playing with guys that are uh, on your team that are already developed, been in the league for a while. You're playing with other, against other guys who are at superstardom level, you know. And so you're not, you're not looking at that and saying, okay, I need some more young guys around me. I, but you're looking at guys and saying, I need some dudes that's developing that's good. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant didn't see that. Kobe Bryant came into the league. He came into the same thing. But Kobe Bryant worked on his own game yeah. and improved himself and then looked around at his teammates and said, I'm going to help you get better. But see, that's why Kobe Bryant will be remembered as an all-time great. Yeah, And I'm telling you, when this is all said and done, LeBron will not. He, he will be looked at as a Hall of Famer, yeah, but not an all-time great because he couldn't develop guys around him. And, and it goes back to what you said earlier, you know, in that deal there, that he came in as the young guy. You think what he'd the, understand. Yeah, I mean, what if the Cavs had treated him the way that he treats, he, you know, yeah. these other dudes? Yeah, he... You're gone. Like, that's my thing with LeBron. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've not ever been on the LeBron train. I've always thought that he got more credit than... Necessary. I mean, even for the the things in Miami, you look. He went to a team that had Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul. They all got together. Without those two, he doesn't win those yeah. championships. But see, Kobe played the game, man. LeBron James, and I've said this too. LeBron James plays for a show. Mm-hmm. Whenever you watch the Lakers play with LeBron James, there's a show. Yeah, you know, he's making the big dunks. He's making, you know, the 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 all this stuff. It looks flashy, you know. Yeah. When you watch Kobe play, Kobe, Kobe played basketball. Kobe had his his uh, signature fadeaway jumper. 
you know, he'll he'll you know dial you up at the three point line and shoot it. He didn't care mm-hmm. and play great defense. Yeah, that's the that's the play. Kobe balled out, man. But LeBron is about a show. You know, it's all and he's always been the front of everything, mm-hmm. even in high school. He's been the front of it, you know. And so he's always been in the front. He's always been that 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 lead guy, that star player. And with a team like the Lakers, who um, carry the name the Lake Show, that's just fitting for him. But it, I get where he's coming from. It's in some in some instances, but I, I will say for LeBron, man, just play your basketball, play game, play the, play yeah. the game, play the, play the game. Don't do it for a show. But LeBron, that's why he's the first billionaire athlete because he's he's built his own brand. Yeah, and everything LeBron does is built around LeBron's brand. It's yeah. not even about the basketball. That's why he said, you know, it's not my DNA to play basketball just to play. Whereas with Kobe, it didn't matter. He just wanted to play basketball. Yeah, as Kobe, long as he could physically play, he wanted to play basketball. Kobe loved the game. Kobe was, yes. you know, he's the epitome of what it looks like. To love the game, even when you're doing it for a job, mm-hmm. he still loved the game, and the reason why is because he honed his craft. Yes, constantly. Yes, I mean he. There are stories after stories about how he would be in the gym at All one, two, three o'clock in the morning just yeah, shooting on college campuses. Yes, you know he time. would he would visit college campuses and do this not only to get the you know effect of what it would look, be like to be on a college campus because he never got that experience. Right. He came straight from high school into the NBA. And so he when his teammates out, because at this point he weren't he wasn't old enough to go out clubbing and yeah. all this partying. He was working. Yeah, so when they were out at clubbing and partying, he was out he was in the gym. He was shooting, he was practicing, yeah. owning his craft. And so Kobe constantly did that. And what he did, it poured out onto his teammates. Because mm-hmm. though he honed his craft, they he made Shaq a better player. Yeah. He made Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, uh, Robert Ory, um, Andrew Bynum, Paul Gasol. You know, him, him and Paul Gasol have, like, they're well, brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. To this day, Paul still looks at the Kobe's daughters. You know, so what Kobe did and who Kobe was, it showed through the, his game. Well, LeBron, it shows, it not only shows with, through his game, but it just shows he doesn't have that same effect that Kobe has. Right. He doesn't. So be LeBron James. Don't be nothing that you're not. But right now, LeBron James ain't looking like a really good character. You know, he's not looking like a good person. And, you know, media doesn't make it any better because media's going to pick on up, pick up on everything he says. And then you look, have his teammates looking at him like, okay, man, now who are you talking about? Yeah. You know, I got a family to feed, too. Well, it's just like the beginning of the year, you know, the first, I don't know, couple of games. Actually, it's right after the first game. He said in the press conference, well, it's not like we've got a bunch of shooters out there. Well, that's the people you put on the court. Those are the guys that you claim you wanted. So it just goes back to, to what I've said. You've got to, if you're the Lakers, get to a point where LeBron does not run the team. LeBron's yeah. not in charge. LeBron play ba- plays basketball. Another team that's got a lot of coverage and really kind of righted the ship was the Brooklyn Nets, but now they may have to do it without Kevin Durant. He's going to go yeah, I saw uh, that last and night. have an MRI today to see what's going on. That's tragic, and I hate it for KD because it's every time he gets going, there's yeah. this nagging injury. And it ha- it's, it's, it's been happening to him ever since 
I won't say OKC because he sat out a while when he was at OKC, which kind of led, which kind of led to the uh, Harden and uh, Westbrook yeah. battle. You know who was going to be the top guy uh, before Harden left. Um, but then you know it was the wars when he tore his Achilles. You know, and then ever since then it's been nagging injuries back to back, and so every like when he gets going good, something happens. Well, at, ha- after the torn Achilles, it kind of. The thought process was, well, it's going to be downhill from here. That he's always going to have something yeah. uh, that nags at him. And you just hope that, if you're Brooklyn, you just got to hope that this isn't something that keeps him out for an right. extended period of time. But if it does, where do you go? I mean, at some point, you know, you're going to have to make a move if Durant's going to be out. And who well, wants to go there? So, who does Kyrie want to bring uh, okay, in? Okay, so there we go. That brings Kemba Walker back into the conversation. Yeah. That'd be a great pickup for them now. Even though I would love for my Lakers to pick them up, I think that'd be an awesome pickup. Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets seem to be more in dire need of it, especially if KD is out for an extended period of time. Well, and if you're looking, if you're Kimba Walker, and you know you're kind of giving your input about where you might want to be traded, I would pick Brooklyn over LA any day because they, at least they have a better record. They, they've got a better record, got a better standing, you know, probably in the playoff picture, and not only that. As unstable of a situation as it was coming into the year, that's looking more like everybody's happy. We're going to win basketball yeah. games. You know, there's some stability yeah. there. I wouldn't have to worry about LeBron trading me next week. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Kimball Walker, and this is kind of shocking me because Kimball Walker's on the trade market. He's a very good player. How did mm-hmm. that? Uh, how does that happen? Yeah. But if it since it has happened, somebody has to jump on the opportunity. You know, you, you can't let it pass. You can't just, you can't um, let him go to a team where, like, say, who's bad right now? An OKC team. Let's just say. OKC, uh, you've got the Hornets. I mean, yeah, there's you a can't let them, let them fall to a team like that. But you have to, you have to take in consideration who's, like you said, who's winning. And right now, the Nets are on a roll, a serious roll. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'd go look at look at them now. With Kyrie Irving and Kimball Walker, I believe that'd be a dangerous duo, or more so a dangerous duo, uh, of more of a dangerous uh, match than the K with KD. Mm-hmm. I don't know if KD and Kyrie they're they're meshing. Uh, they're doing good right now because the team as a whole is doing good. But Kimball Walker, his shooting skills, Kyrie's ball ball skills, his handling skills, and his shooting skills. I mean, you put the Nets up above. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, who's on the East Coast? The, the Sixers. Put the Nets above the Sixers and Milwaukee. Maybe even the Celtics. Possibly even the Celtics at you this know? point. Man. And he actually, so Kimball Walker was actually waived, so he may just become a free agent. You yeah. may not even have to trade for him. So that's even better. Yeah. But see, there you go. So if you, okay, so going back to like, if you are the Lakers, you're looking at that. I don't have to give up anybody. Rather, they could waive somebody to get him. Yeah. But that's more, that's better. You can waive anybody to get Kimball Walker, depending on how much he's asking for. Um. But, I mean, come on, that's... I, thinking about it now, because I'm, I'm 
No, it wouldn't be a good pick for the Lakers. I would I would love for it to happen, but you look at it and looking at the guys that are stepping up. Kendrick Nunn is stepping up. Lonnie Skywalker, uh, we call him Lonnie Skywalker. Lonnie Walker is he's out right now, um, but he's one of your role players. Yeah, I, I you think don't Walker, have anybody. Walker to Brooklyn makes more sense yeah. if Durant's gonna be out. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's just a matter yeah. of but plugging the holes there. As far as you know, it goes. They found a way to win. They found a way to win uh, without KD. You know, they won one. Was it one hundred two? Yeah, to one hundred one. They found a way to win, and you know, now it's just to go on, you know, till you can figure out what happened. But I do say this: now is the time for Ben Simmons to step up. Because I, I, yeah, but I'm not holding my breath. If I'm Brooklyn, I'm not going. Oh, up, Ben, come on down. I won't hold my breath either. But if he's going to be a role player, then I mean, that's what you draft. That's what you signed him for. Now he has to show them. I mean, you have to earn your money, man. Brooklyn have another big guy. Uh, they have another big guy, other because it's KD, and then it's this other guy. I'm not sure of his name. Uh, it's number 33, and then it's Ben Simmons. You have those big, big guys. You need your scorers in the paint. So with KD out, you're gonna need somebody that's gonna dominate the paint, that's gonna get rebounds, and that's gonna be able to have a court presence like KD had. But I'm not. Not saying that he has to be KD, but man, make your money. Live up to who they say you are and who you say you are. Ben Simmons, your top draft pick. Play like it. I mean, right now, Kyrie's going to need Okay, but looking back, he shouldn't have been a top draft pick. If he doesn't play at LSU and LSU doesn't go on their little run when he was there, he's not a top draft pick. Like, people looked at him in college and said, that's going to be the next big man in the the NBA. He's going to be the next big man star. He's going to do this, this, and this. And he has completely flopped. Like, I, I think that at some point we're going to have to scale back, and, and a lot of people have, scaled back the expectations for him. You know, you're talking about a guy who didn't want to play in Philadelphia anymore because people made fun of him for yeah, his inability to shoot free throws. Then he gets traded yeah. to Brooklyn, and then suddenly his back hurts during the playoffs, and he can't play despite the fact he hadn't played basketball in a year. Uh, I mean, so you had all of this. At some point, we've got to stop saying that Ben Simmons is a top-end guy. He He's a role player, possibly. Okay. You know, he, he's a, a presence at times, but he's not a top-end guy. Yeah. But, okay, that's what I'm saying. Be the role player, you know? He's getting back to a point where he's where he's starting to score. He's averaging good points. Be a role player. But like I said, I'm not asking you to be Kevin Durant out there on the court and do all this shoot threes. Oh yeah, and, don't do that. He'll yeah. he'll go crawl in a hole and he won't. Yeah, play. don't do that. But be a role player. Help your team <laughs> he can't out. Can't handle it. Help your team out. Um, in other news, uh, we still on the NBA, right? Yes. Who are we talking about next? Well, I've got college have... football. Okay. But I want to talk about the uh, Pelicans. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the Pelicans just a little bit in, on the West. So, the Lakers, I mean, Pelicans are doing really good, but the Lakers take down the Kings. That's what they, the yeah, other Sacramento. night. Sacramento. Yeah. The Lakers take down the Kings. Um, so, Pelicans are still sitting up there. 
I want to know how long they'll be up there. Mm. Because I, I'm so just going to got questions for the yes. Because I'm 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 going to say this. Lakers make the playoffs. Lakers are truly a dangerous team in the playoffs. A good this this Lakers teams and you get Anthony Davis back. They're truly a dangerous team in the playoffs. Will they be able to knock on the Pelicans' door and say, "Bring it, we want some." Depends on if Zion's healthy or not. If you've got a healthy Zion, then no. I think they can do it. Ah, I, 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 I think you're asking a little bit much from the Lakers. I, okay, and I, I won't say that. Maybe you can't. You let Zion do what Zion's gonna do, but you can handle everybody else. Maybe because you think you got. But, but here's the difference: Zion can single-handedly take over a basketball game. You you don't really have that in L.A. anymore. No, you don't, but you have a solid team. you got a solid team, but I'm saying, you know, we're saying, well, let Zion do what Zion's going to do, but Zion is the kind of guy that even if you do that, he still may beat you. Okay, so this is why I brought up, brought up AD. You have a healthy AD. AD's a very good def- defensive player. You know, if you have, and then you look at Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant is coming on to be his own. He's scoring. You know, he's he's better in the paint. And so you have you have AD and you have Thomas Bryant, those two on the court right there. You have AD who can either he can sit out on the outside wing and shoot a three, or he can be in the paint and dominate in the paint. You have Thomas Bryant who can dominate in the paint at the base. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at two guys. You're looking at two guys that are defensive players that that can shoot against Zion, who is really. I haven't seen much from Zion. He's a very good player, but I haven't seen much from him on the defensive side. And so that's why I'm saying if with Zion in Well, it, I think up to this point, he hasn't really been asked to do anything defensively. I, I would like to see, that, see him have to match up. Yeah, so that's uh, what I'm saying. You know, is now, he gonna he's going to be with out him? three weeks with the hamstring injury. Yeah. You know, but and so we're going to have to see how that's going to play out long term. But, is that going to be a nagging thing? But I, I don't know. Maybe, but I just think that that's a tall order... For the Lakers right now, as they as they're constructed right now, I think if the Lakers can get past the Nuggets, who is another top team in the West, surprisingly the Denver Nuggets, um, if they can get past the Nuggets tonight with a win, uh, not saying it has to be a pretty big win, but it don't have to look pretty, but it might be ugly because I mean Nuggets are a very good team, but if they can get past the Nuggets tonight, then you're seriously looking at okay. The Lakers are a dangerous team. They're coming in too. They're playing mm-hmm. defense and they're scoring. Um, and even more so, when Westbrook gets going, Westbrook gets going. And True. Westbrook gets going. Everybody else gets going. That means he's passing the ball good. He's making good shots. LeBron can be able to do what he's doing. And here lately, everybody's got a, gotten a piece of the pie. Hasn't been just LeBron scoring, but everybody's. But been you got to be careful now because now you got LeBron talking again. That's where you got to be careful. It yeah. goes it, it uh, this whole segment with the NBA cool. and, it, okay. and and here's the thing. Here's my point about LeBron. Our entire segment, no matter what team we're talking about, LeBron's in the conversation in one way or another, because that's the foothold that he has on the NBA. But we'll see. Tragic, but uh, we'll we'll kind of <laughs> be checking in on some of those games tonight 
flipping back and forth on some stuff. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about that some more tomorrow. All right, moving on to college football. Of course, you got the national championship game tonight being played Oh, TCU. What a shot. Yeah, man. I, Nobody <laughs> saw this coming. TCU, man. I told you, but I, I, I didn't I didn't declare it. I put it up in the air and let it float, and it caught some wind. And You did. They, I, it I, caught, I thought you were smoking yeah, some, uh, some good stuff, man. It caught, it caught the wind, and TCU got a win. And so, as shocking as that game came down to be, and Michigan being a very good team, uh, after watching some film and some highlights of it, yeah, Michigan just... They fell apart. Yeah, they fell apart. They couldn't get it going. And TCU picked them apart. Duggan picked them apart with every receiver he had. The run game, just unstoppable. And then defense, I I, I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be like it, it's gonna be an interesting game for Georgia and uh, Kirby Smart over there. How many – I'm going to stop you on that. How many points do you think TCU is being given by Vegas? Over or under? Well, no. So the spread. So you I'm know, saying plus, they're plus what? Five. Nope. They're being given twelve and a half. Georgia's twelve and a half point favorites coming into the night. Dang. Um. So twelve and a half. Vegas is not. They a don't have. TCU yeah, fan. they don't have. Well, you know why? Because they're a Big Twelve team. They didn't win their. They didn't win their conference. Okay, but but this is why I, I'm not buying into because everybody's on the bandwagon about oh this is going to transform TCU's program, and you know this is going to and I get what they're saying. I mean, you play for national championship, obviously that's going to help you. Saint Ike's his first year there. It's going to help you on the recruiting trail, right? right? But here's why I'm not buying into this has transcended TCU. Now, do I think that this probably puts TCU as the standalone king of the Big 12? Yes, I do. Yeah. Because Texas and Oklahoma, they've already got one foot out the door going into this season. They're not really looking at that. They're worrying about what are we going to do with the big boys in the SEC. Yeah. So I, I do think that. But here's why I'm not buying into now they're all of a sudden perennial contenders. Vegas, coming into this game, still has them after beating Michigan. A very good Michigan team. A Michigan team that came into that game as the best rushing team in the country. You blow them out. I mean, you dominate them for, yeah. for 90% of the game. Now, you know, Michigan made it a little comeback there. But for 90% of the game, you dominated Michigan. A team led by Jim Harbaugh, of all people. You dominate them. And you still come into the national championship game 12.5-point underdogs. That... That that's people looking at that going, okay, that is a fly by night, once in a lifetime Cinderella story situation. But if they were being viewed as serious contenders, like long term contenders, mm-hmm. no way Vegas has them as twelve and a half point underdogs. No way. But see, that's where I said last week, you underestimate these big twelve teams. Now I get Georgia's Georgia's a very good team. Kirby Smart has one of the best uh, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Yes. Uh, I seen a video the other day with his linebackers working out. Those guys are just good. They're top-tier players, you know. Mm-hmm. And what's to expect from a team that's in the SEC? Well, and he's consistently in the top end of the recruiting and, classes. Yeah. Uh, does a very good job. And then, you know, you're coming off of you where you beat Alabama. You yeah. finally beat Alabama. You win a national championship looking to go back-to-back. 
that kind of transcends your program because now all of a sudden you've got a two-time national championship coach in uh, Kirby Smart back-to-back. You've you've kind of asserted yourself as the 1A or 1B of the SEC next to Alabama, who I still say should have been in the mix, but, you know. I, I, I don't think I don't think Alabama would they should have oh um over OSU but I don't think Alabama would have beat Georgia. Yeah. You don't I, see that? Maybe no, not. I don't think Alabama would have maybe, beat maybe not, but I but I think they had a chance. But I, I see I see why TCU isn't a favorite in this game. Like I said, they're a big twelve team who didn't win their conference. They got beat by a team that Alabama blew out, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's 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 it doesn't look pretty. It's a Cinderella story, you know. You're and hoping- if you're if you're TCU tonight, you've got to stick to the game plan, play defense, exactly. run the football, kind of control but, the clock, do what you can do. I look Max at Dugan's got to have a good night tonight. Yeah, but I look at TCU's players. Um, their defensive front is ferocious. Um. That defense, that that front four is ferocious. They're dangerous. That's going to be the pinnacle of their defense, and then their offense is going to depend on everybody doing their job, yeah. from the receivers, quarterback, offensive line, everybody. The running game, everybody has to do their job on the offense because Georgia has a darn good defense. And one thing about Georgia is that that defense they don't, is elite. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They ain't going to take it lightly on you. Yeah. You know? they, they, now, they gave up their share of points. They came out flat against Ohio State. And Ohio State did what they could do. Yeah. But then you kind of saw they, they locked it down. They did, they did what they had to because, do and offensively. And they're, they're, they're just able to do that, man. But, but okay, here's, here's the big question that I have about Georgia. When we look back at the – if, let's say, Georgia wins tonight. We'll, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, tomorrow on the show, uh, depending on the outcome of the game. But let's say Georgia – Wins tonight. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow on the show, are we talking about Stetson Bennett at all? The 26-year-old quarterback for Georgia. That's older than guys in the NFL. Yeah. Like, does that discredit if they win tonight? Or does it come down to whether or not it depended on him? Like, does that change the narrative? So, if a, if a Georgia win is based on the fact that Stetson Bennett... Goes out and balls out. Is the is the narrative then? Well, if they didn't have Stetson Bennett, they couldn't win football games. And do, do we discredit that because you've got an older guy out there playing quarterback? No, I honestly no, because I mean I don't think so. Yeah, but that because seems to be the national narrative that oh well they've got a well, twenty six year old quarterback. And see, that's why we do what we do because we kind of go against what everybody else is talking about. They're gonna make that a they're gonna make that a headline, but that's not necessarily a headline. Simply because he's just being a quarterback, regardless of how old he is, he's being a quarterback. He's doing his job, and you can't discredit him or or that team just because of his age. You have he's to. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, he's a very good quarterback. He led them last year to a national championship. Yeah. Nobody talked about his age then. Nope. It wasn't a big deal. But yeah, now, he just beat Alabama. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, he's an older quarterback. Of course he's going to play now, well. But this is the thing. Don't make this because I, I have a feeling if this this could, if they're going to take that angle, 
don't make this a pity party if they beat TCU. Oh, they beat TCU because they you have get, a... You get the sense that yeah. now everybody's on the TCU bandwagon. Yeah. That, I, oh, listen, this is a Cinderella I'm story. I'm going for TCU, too. I want TCU to win. Honestly, I'm good with whoever wins because I'm glad it's not Alabama. Well, I'm not an Alabama fan. But we root for storylines because that's our job. Yeah. If, if TCU wins, you've got all of a sudden this Big 12 oh, yeah. uh, has asserted itself. It's going to be a big it, parade. It's going to be a big narrative on that. It's going to be a narrative about the future of TCU football, all those things. Yeah. If Georgia wins, it's, hey, they they're now have kind of taken that 1A spot. Yeah. And, and Alabama's in the 1B, but, you know, the co, co-leaders of the SEC. So you've got all those narratives. But I definitely think that there's going to be a conversation probably yeah. tomorrow where everybody's going to be, you know, Stetson meant this or Stetson meant that. But it's just like we do this with these Cinderella stories that nobody really cares. And then all of a sudden we're all going to get on that bandwagon. And we got to have a pity party if they somehow, it doesn't come to fruition. They don't win the championship. Well, we've got to make an excuse for why they didn't. Yeah. How about let's just have a conversation about how great Georgia is. Yeah. That, hey, they deserve to be national But champions. I feel like also... And I get the notion that if they do indeed win, that it will also be, oh, well, that wasn't nothing. That It would be like they will be almost discredited because it was a Big 12 team. Yeah, they only had to play TCU. Yeah, well, it was, yeah because it was TCU. But yeah. how about this? So, say last year, Cincinnati beats, uh, who did they play again? Alabama. Cincinnati beats Alabama. They go on to the Natty to play Georgia. And then, so would it have been the same storyline as it would have been this year, TCU making it. it would have no, been... because if, if Cincinnati had beat Alabama, you just beat Alabama. Now, TCU, granted, they beat, beat Michigan. Good, yeah. That's a good Michigan team, but Michigan's still on Alabama. That, it, it's all about who you played leading up to it. I think that there will be a little bit of an asterisk there because you didn't, if you're Georgia, you didn't have to play Alabama this year. You know, you didn't have to do that. So... That's going to be kind of a point of conversation. What if you know Alabama gets in there ahead of Ohio State? Because Nick Saban's a little bit different. He's not like Ryan Day. Nick Saban's the guy that if you give him leeway, he's not letting you come back in the second half. He's going to plug the holes, no holds barred. Yeah. I'm going to take it to you. And you've got Bryce Young. You didn't have to play Bryce Young. I mean, it, th- there's going to be that conversation. Should there be? Maybe not. But will there be? Yes. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow. If Georgia wins, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to look at the statistics. What would it have looked like with Alabama? Well, this is Just a, for a point of conversation. Yeah. But this is how big of a chokehold that Alabama has on the college football world. Is that if, if they have set the pinnacle for what it means to be good. Yes. Darn near perfect. Mm-hmm. And if you beat them, then that means you're darn near perfect. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You have done everything. Yes, to succeed at this point. Yes. You can go on and play whoever else. <laughs> because you beat Alabama. Yes. And so... This is why everybody was pushing after LSU won. Everybody was pushing for them to win the SEC championship game so that they could make them because they beat, beat Alabama. Alabama. You wanted a team, Tennessee, the same way. If anybody else was going to get in ahead of Alabama... You want it to be one of the two teams that had already beat them. Yeah. Because then you avoid the conversation of, well, what if Georgia had had to play them? Well, they had to play a team that beat Alabama. Did they do that in the SEC championship game? Yes, but they didn't do it in the playoffs. And and that LSU team that played Georgia in the SEC championship game did not look like the same LSU team that played in Baton Rouge right. and beat Alabama in overtime. 
So I, there's still that little bit of a question. What if? What if you know Bryce Young had the chance? Because if Bryce Young has the football, as good as C.J. Stroud is, he's not Bryce Young. But uh, and what if Bryce Young had had the football against Georgia that entire time? He doesn't let those. I, things I, I'll happen. say this about Alabama: What set the pinnacle for Alabama is the game they played against Texas, where they barely they beat Texas by one point. That's what set the pinnacle for Alabama's season to let people know and put them on notice. This isn't the same Alabama team that it was the last. Three years. Is is it the same Alabama team? Well, we say that, but then we watched them kick it to another year against Kansas State, and it was like Nick Saban was ticked off because okay, they interviewed him. He, and, and in his interview, he said, "And why were we not in the playoffs?" He said, "You just saw what we just did. Yeah. We're a playoff okay, team." But that doesn't matter. I'm telling you, they went, and we we've seen it. They went on after that Texas game. They went on to beat numerous of teams, but they were not talked about simply because they could barely beat a Big 12 team. And but that's, granted, that was a Texas team who played very well. Very, yeah, but it was still a So that's what I'm getting at with this TCU thing is they're not picked as favorite because it was just a, they're Big just 12. a Big 12. That's the difference. Is Alabama season was already written in state for them when they could barely beat Texas. I knew then, even I knew then, they're not going far because they weren't disciplined. They didn't play good defense. Defense weren't disciplined. The players weren't disciplined. Their offense, even though it had Bryce Young, was struggling. The run game was struggling. He couldn't get the ball to his receiver. They were, I agree. They were struggling. It didn't, it didn't look like the typical Alabama, but I still say if they're in the Final Four, they might be playing tonight. I still think there's a chance that they beat Georgia and they're playing for another natty. No. I, I think so. I, it'll be a good game, but Georgia will beat them. It, if Georgia comes out against Alabama the way they came out against Ohio State, there's no way. Alabama, I'm telling Nick you. Nick Saban is not letting Georgia come back. Man, I'm telling you. they and Alabama, and Ohio State was still a good team, even though they got stumped by Michigan. But No, Ohio State is on the, the downward trend. Ohio State's one of those that that is about to become not who they think they are. Because you look at the... And and now that we're on Ohio State, just to bring this up just real quick, because I'm going to talk about Michigan here in just a second. Uh, Ohio State needs to do some reassessing. Because the Big Ten's about to get really interesting, possibly. So immediately after Michigan's loss, I mean, almost an hour later, there's talk that, hey, Jim Harbaugh's gone. Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the NFL. We had this last year where he actually went up and interviewed for a couple of jobs that, you know, he, and he left those interviews and said, well, it wasn't really a fit. I'm going to stay here. That ship has sailed. I'm not going to pursue that. And immediately there's reports that he's looking to go to the NFL. But why? You know, yes, you just lost again, but you still have a foundation there. You know, you have returning players. You You've done well in the early recruiting processes. Uh, why would you want out? Then there was another report that he spoke with the Carolina Panthers, and Carolina Panthers owner Dave Tepper comes out and says, listen, I didn't call him. They, his representation called me. Jim Harbaugh reached out, and he's the one that asked for the meeting. You know, Jim Harbaugh's side has kind of represented this as, oh, they contacted us and we took the meeting. Oh, you set the meeting. Mm-hmm. Why? If you're Jim Harbaugh, if you're really, and, and his 
statement to the press on this was, well, I'm, I expect to still be at Michigan. Not, I'm going to be, or, you know, that's the, just rumor. It's just, I expect at this point. Mm-hmm. And then, just the other day, it comes out that Michigan's facing violations, recruiting violation penalties uh, from the NCAA. The penalties on the team are going to probably be level two, but Jim Harbaugh's facing level one, which could include suspension, which could include fines. I mean, not like season-long suspension, but you're probably looking at you know, two to five games possibly there. So it's starting to kind of become clear about why would Jim Harbaugh want out. Uh, now he's going to have an interview with the Denver Broncos for that job. A lot of moving pieces there, but it seems like year in and year out, that's where we're at with Jim Harbaugh. And the main reason is he's a good football coach. He was on the door. He, he had every opportunity to win the Super Bowl you know, against his brother while they're in San Francisco, he's made it known that he wants to win a Super Bowl. That that's one of his crowning moments. Yeah. Do I think that that, you know, kind of itch gets scratched a little more if he wins a national championship? Yes, I do. But he didn't. And now two years in a row you've fallen short. He may be looking around. And he already knew, you know, that there was some scuttlebutt about this investigation. He's probably looking around going, maybe now's the time to leave. And if he leaves, that changes the Big Ten. That changes the complexion of the Big Ten. Because now, you know, who's going to take that job? We'll talk about that in a second. Who who gets that job? But if you're Ohio State, that might be your last year to kind of claim dominance in the Big Ten because the very next year you've got USC and UCLA come on down, things change. And I think that that's part of Jim Harbaugh's thinking too. Because now the Big Ten's not just you and Michigan now you're going to have to, are you in Ohio State, now you're going to have to compete with USC and UCLA, two very good football teams in yeah. their own right. Uh, so it's an interesting dynamic there right now with Jim Harbaugh. What job does he get? What job does he want? Or is he a, hey, I'll take any phone calls. Uh, you know, I'm open to any situation there. I, I think it's very interesting right now with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, it is. And... Whatever happens there in Michigan, I think you know they have a good, pretty good program. But I want—I don't want to talk too much about that. I, I, what I want to talk about is how in the world. I mean, what in specifics did they do? Because with the they, NCAA, so they, they haven't released what, but one uh, insider has said that from what he understands, and this is going to sound really funny, that. One of the recruits came down for a recruiting trip, and Jim Harbaugh bought his supper. And apparently that is against the rules. Okay, so it's not against the rules to give multi-million dollar deals to foot, to, to players. But coaches can't pay for their meal. Then apparently that's that's what he's being told. Now, we don't know for sure. It may yeah. come out that there, but from what he's being told right now, that is the allegation being investigated. It's kind is of, that he bought a burger... For a guy to rest. Let's kind of sit on this because if, if this is if this is indeed the reason, NCAA should be ashamed of themselves. Really. Well, I didn't even know that the NCAA even cared about recruitment violations anymore. I mean, because we're just handing out multi million dollars. Well, you, the, I mean, deals. you just here you go. You get a deal. You want to come play for that team here? You can offer them three point million dot three point five million dollars to go and play for such and such. Okay, well, coach buy somebody a dinner. That's charity. You know, that's a 
good deed. Here, you don't have to pay for supper. I'll buy you a burger. I'll buy you No, you can't do that. Well, here, here's my question. If Jim... Okay, let's... let's. I want to go here with it. Before I jump on to where Jim Harbaugh is going. Let, let's talk about just the recruiting violation here. If that's true, let's say that that, that comes out and that's why he's going to face penalties, Michigan's going to face penalties. Mm-hmm. You got to do the same thing to Deion Sanders when he starts writing blank checks? When he starts buying players cars and things, the other things that he's done at Jackson State, let's say he tries the same thing at Colorado because he's Deion Sanders and that's the brand he's built? But see, that's, that's the question. That's why I say... Where is this, the line? That, that's because, what somebody it doesn't have a come, line. But somebody needs to come out and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Here, here are the boundaries, and this is what Nick Saban, you know, trying to point out when everybody yes. got all up in arms. He said, you know, Texas A&M is buying players. What he meant was they're just writing blank checks. Yeah. This is why Lane Kiffin said, I sure hope those players are getting their money. Yeah. yeah because you're just writing blank checks right exactly. now. Exactly. And so this is why I said the other day is that the NCAA, they need to make guidelines. Because right now it's reckless. You have every which of other player Entering the transfer portal, you have everybody going here, going there, don't know where they're, where they're going to go, where they're going to end up. And it's all off of how much money that they are being promised to go to wherever. Mm-hmm. There's no guidelines. All the NCAA had to do was allow these players say, you're selling our jerseys, give that player, player a portion, a percentage of what you make off their jersey. Well, well, I go back to Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel is the one that started this because he wanted to to make money. Yeah, you know, and he started branding himself and got you know, of course, pushed back and he pushed back and it was kind of this back and forth. And that's that was the first time that we everybody sat down and said, okay, this isn't right. We've got to start looking into this. It's been looked into pretty much ever since then. And you had other things, uh, Terrell Pryor and them at Ohio State. You mm-hmm. know. Jim Trestle, that whole situation with the tattoo parlor, uh, he you know giving free tattoos in exchange for memorabilia, and, and they got popped. Jim Trestle, you know, got a ten-year show cause penalty and didn't coach anymore at, at the the national level. Uh, you you've had things over the years, Reggie Bush and the Heisman Trophy situation, all those things. But when Johnny Manziel came out and said, "Listen, they're making money off of me." You know, I, I'm I'm branding Texas A&M. I'm branding uh, college football. I just want to make some of that money back. And then you had other players start getting on that bandwagon. So we started having conversations. There were multiple uh, formats kind of thrown out about how you do this. Do you just pay for lunches, maybe? Do you just pay for... You know, and, and there was all of the... Do you give them stipends? All of these things were discussed. And then out of nowhere, it's, okay, we're going to give them NIL deals. But we're not going to have these parameters. Prior to this, there were parameters. It was going to be, okay, could they make money off of the the NCAA <coughs> uh, football uh, video game if they started that back yeah. up? Could they make money off of jersey sales? Could they make money off of you know their uh, name, image, and likeness being used in some sort of advertising? And then you were going to get a percentage of that. But now it's morphed into, come to our school and we're going to go ahead and guarantee you, I'm just throwing out $10 million. Well, what for? Well, we don't really know, but we're going to give you $10 million. 
That's not at all what it was reported to have been. But the the poster boy, the poster boy for this has, was Quinn Ewers. When yeah, when first, he left Southlake Carroll his to senior, skip his senior yeah. year to go make money in Ohio State, yeah. He, he was the poster boy. Matter of fact, he was the poster boy for how much of a failure it was and how it didn't work and how it was. Because you're telling people, you're telling guys, I'll pay you this, and they haven't played it down yet. Quinn Ewers didn't play it down for Ohio State. No. Rather, he got... Barely got any steps in practice. No, yeah. But rather, got recruited over three other guys. Yeah. You got three other guys ahead of you, recruited ahead of you. And they haven't played it down either. And you've been there. You've just been sitting there. And and missed out on a state championship. Yes. and so, In Texas, of all places. Right. And so you're looking at that situation. And then you go over to the Travis Hunter, you know. That was the one that really blew it out of the water. Right. And there was some attention put on it when Quinn Ewers did what he did. Yeah. But it got blown out of the water when Travis Hunter right. skipped over every major program in America to go to Jackson yeah. State. Yeah, because Quinn Ewers, uh, prior to Travis Hunter, was the number one player in the nation. Yes. Then it was Travis Hunter. And so you lost one, you know, and then you lose another to Deion Sanders and Jackson State. So, like, okay, now this is just getting out of – so, yes – this is getting out of control, and now you see where Nick Saban is talking about. But that's why I say it's not the the NCAA complicated it, something that was so simple because the players they don't have to worry about uh, they don't have to worry about food. That's why you start to see these uh, athletic facilities have their own cafeteria. Yeah. They they're feeding these players for free. Yeah, whatever they want, however much they want, they're feeding them for free. You have to worry about food. The only thing you have to worry about is housing and making sure they have transportation. Well, the, the, the NIL stuff is why I've been saying for years there's no such thing as a student athlete no. in college football. That doesn't exist. They're an athlete. Right. Because, you know, that was everybody's gripe was, well, they're getting their education paid for. They're not there for that. No. The university has brought them in because they want to win football games and make money. I have no problem. With some of that money going to the players. I said for years that that was the only fair way to do it. Yeah. But we've got to set a parameter to where it's percentage-based. We're going to make X amount of money percentage-based off of what is sold with my jersey or my right. face or you know the video game situation, whatever it is. But no more of this, hey, you come here, we're going to pay you X amount of well, money. This is, and you saying that, my uncle told my cousin, you know, with my cousin that we've talked about, a couple of times on this show, uh, when he was being getting offers from school and going looking at schools, you know, we were having a conversation about it, and he said the same thing. He says these athletes, he said they're not going to college. They have people to go to class for them. Exactly. Rather. Yeah, go get the grades and then yeah. bring the work back. And- he said, but they didn't go to college for that. They went to be an athlete, so they spend most of their time down at down at the facility, yeah. working out, training, practicing. That's where they spend most majority of the time. Now you do have those players who do go to class if they're not if they're looking. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not looking at this just to be the sole my sole career. I want to get a degree so I can go on and do other things. You have those players. That's great. They go to class, but some of them I'm here to play football. Oh, I'm here. The to majority play. of them are there to play football. Yeah, and so that's what they're doing. He said they have they have people to go to class for them. To get their attendance, they, they, to get their work, their homework, their grades. And they have tutors. They have study hall. They're not going to classes. 
They're there to play sports. They're there to be an athlete. And so when you talk about that, then that's where you get, okay, well, how is is he? Because even though he's not going to class, he's not in class, he's still a student. He's still enrolled at that school. So how are are their housing situation being handled? Mm -hmm. Are they in the dorms or are they in apartments? If they're in dorms, how long will they be able to be in dorms? Because some schools only allow them to be in dorms up until their sophomore year. Right. And then you got to get out. Because they they have the rules yeah. where the freshmen have to be there. Right. And, and you yeah. have to move new freshmen in and everything. Uh, yeah. And freshmen are moving up. And so, that. And so, now you see in college is starting to build on, on campus apartments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they still have to find a way to pay for that. Some of those guys aren't on scholarship. Some of those guys aren't on financial aid either. Their parents are paying out of pocket. And so, that's when that NIL deal starts to kind of make sense. But that should be a guideline. We'll pay, be able to pay for your housing throughout your college career. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need transportation, that's transport. You have trolleys. You have, or get a bike. You or something, some kind of transportation. We're gonna make sure you're taken care of on that level. But now it's not even that. They're just handing out money for whatever reason. Left and right. Yes, it's like, and that's it's like being in the NFL at a college level, and that's where that's that's the danger. But but if this winds up. That Jim Harbaugh gets popped for buying a guy a burger. Yeah. And, you know, we, all these issues with the NIL that we just talked about. And that is what makes him go, you know what? That's it. I'm going back to the NFL. College football just lost one of the biggest faces on the coaching front. Right. Because NCAA wanted to not... put to, Suddenly, we hadn't heard from him in over a year on this kind of thing, wants to put their nose in everybody's business yeah. again. Why? What is it, you know, that suddenly said, oh, we've got to do something here? So if that happens, I think that that leads to the larger conversations that everybody else but has been trying to the, have. Didn't they do the same thing to Navy? Well, yeah, Navy, though, was a whole di- It wasn't about money. There was a okay. whole other recruiting violation. I, we made a joke about that. How, uh, How does the U.S. military get popped for a recruiting violation? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, no, that, was a, whole, that was a whole different yeah. deal. But but it, I, I think that this maybe opens the door for a larger conversation about NIL, the effect it's going to have on college football, the need for parameters, or if you're not at parameters, then do away with recruiting violations. But it you know right if you're if if you're not going to put parameters on the money, then why put parameters on anything else? That's my question. Yeah. Like at that point, it's turned into the wild wild west. Why should you have any? Sort of, I mean, hey, let's reinstate the SMU stuff. (laughs) Give them their Addy back. Yeah, so (laughs) the NCAA man got it. They got to clean up their mess. They've made a mess with this whole NIL stuff. Now they have to clean it up. But that's what the NCAA does. They've created a mess and they go, oh, oh, we're out. Y'all figure it out. No. And then give Johnny Mazzell his money back that he made. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. I, I think there's just a lot that's going to play into this, especially if Harbaugh does wind up leaving. But let's say he does. Let's let's kind of shift into the NFL side of this For if you're Jim Harbaugh. So this was the report uh, that was put out, and this is courtesy of uh, Sports Illustrated concerning the meeting. So uh, this was an article written by Zach Coons. He says, shortly after Michigan was eliminated, of course, there was a meeting between uh, Jim Harbaugh and owner uh, Panthers owner David Tepper about the team's head coaching position. According to Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, it was Harbaugh 
or at least his representation that had been calling Tipper regularly in recent weeks. So this is prior to the playoff game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Tepper eventually agreed to have a conversation with Harbaugh, but the chat was never considered to be a formal interview for Carolina's coaching job, uh, which Will Kunkel of Charlotte Sports Live confirmed in his original report about the call. The notion of Harbaugh reaching out to the Panthers seems to be in contrast with the statement that the former 49ers coach made about returning the NFL on Thursday. His comment came shortly before news broke that Michigan is facing an NCAA investigation for potential rule violations, including a level one violation against Harbaugh. This was Harbaugh's quote at that time. He says, I am aware of the rumors and speculation over the last or the past few days. College and NFL teams <coughs> have great interest in all our personnel, from players to coaches to staff, and I truly believe that is a testament to the strength of our University of Michigan football program. As I said in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. That is the quotes of a man who is looking to go elsewhere. And if you're, and, and there was also a report about the pot, the question was raised, but not necessarily a report, but the question was raised. Did Michigan know that he had been calling Carolina for weeks? Is that why they came out flatter than anybody could have imagined? Because you don't know, you don't know what they look like in practice because it, you know the, right. the layover from the Big Ten championship game into this. But I mean, they were a team that had a, on a mission, they were on fire, and then all of a sudden they weren't. You know, and everybody kind of chalked it up to well, they didn't play for two or three weeks. They you know mounted a second half comeback, it just didn't come to fruition. But then you start hearing that for weeks now he had been in contact. And if you're Jim Harbaugh, why the Carolina job? What what intrigues you about that job? Do you look at Sam Darnold and go, hey, there's a quarterback I can work with. That's a situation I want to step into. What is it? Steve Wilkes, who's been the interim head coach, is going to get an interview for that job. You didn't get a formal interview, but for whatever reason, you set up a meeting, they took the meeting, they talked to you. You called incessantly for weeks. Now, the job he's going to get an interview for is the Denver job. Mm. He, he does have a, per reports, uh, he does have an interview set up okay, with okay. the Broncos. What about that job? Okay, so, all right. I'm just going to say this. It may not, may not be true, but it's interesting enough to think about. Uh, go out to the Carolina job. Think about it. He's right there. He's in the same division as his brother. Okay. Is this about, hey, I want to try and play against my brother again? It could be, except this time I want to beat him, you know? Yeah. Um, but he didn't even, but I, okay, he, and here's where nobody's talking. So there's been all these reports that there was a meeting. Yeah. Dave Tepper comes out and says, well, listen, I didn't set the meeting up. He set the meeting. Who leaked this? Who had something to gain? It had to be somebody that was in the room. A reporter, but there was only two people in the room, so it had to be somebody close to him that he confidentially. But, but, but if you're Jim Harbaugh's camp, because apparently that's where it came from, because you know Tepper acts like, well, I didn't leak this, but I'm going to go and confirm that I met with the guy. But if you're Jim Harbaugh, what do you have to gain from? Well, I got a meeting. It wasn't an interview, but I got a meeting, and the more you dig, you're going to find that I called. Several times, or had my representation call several times leading up to a playoff game that I got skunked in. So, what 
what did he have to gain? That's what I want to know. And the other question is, why is that not an interview? Why is Dave Tipper, nobody's asked Dave Tipper, what was said in the meeting? What made you walk away and go, this isn't a formal interview? And why are you interviewing Steve Wilkes? So, obviously, it appears, as it stands right now, that Jim Harbaugh is not a candidate for the Panthers job. Now, he did get an interview with the Broncos that will be coming up uh, here probably in the next week. They also have gotten permission from the Saints to talk to Sean Payton, which I've got more on him in a moment. But the pieces, I want to see where this goes. I want to see what Harbaugh ends up doing, where he winds up, and see if somebody will come out and say, one, why it was leaked, Mm -hmm. and two, why is Dave Tepper so bent on characterizing this as making sure everybody knows, listen, I did not interview Jim Harbaugh. Like, we had a conversation, but it was not and is not an interview. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good question. I think it's because I would believe that it's because he, you're you're trying the waters out. You know, Jim Harbaugh has been out of the out out of coaching the NFL for over uh, ten years now. So uh, the last time he was there was when uh, was it before or after Kaepernick? That's been nearly a decade now. Yeah, and so. You're looking at that, and you're, you know, say, okay, I don't know. I kind of want to test. I want to talk to him and see how this goes, and then maybe consider him as a candidate. But that's only it. That's why I believe it wasn't an interview. It was just a meeting. You want to pick his brains, see what kind of, see where his mind was as a coach and as a guy. It's been uh, eight years. Yeah, so nearly a decade. To see where his mind is, see if he still has the the mentality to coach and lead an NFL team. You don't want to make that an interview right off the, off the bat because then that raises bigger speculations when, in fact, he may not even be or end up being a top candidate. And so you, you But what did he say in that meeting, though, that made Dave Tepper immediately come out and say, listen, I don't know what you've heard, but I didn't interview that guy. Yeah. He called me, I took the meeting, but I didn't interview that guy. Who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, what, what was it that made them go? Listen, we're not we're not interested. We're gonna let Steve Wilkes get his day in the yeah. sun and 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 it, it's, actually give you for the job. It sounds. It sounds and if you're Carolina, who do you want? What are you looking for in a coach right now? If you're the Carolina Panthers, I think that's the bigger question. Are you sold it with Sam Darnold as quarterback? You know what? What's your philosophy going to be? And I think that plays into the candidates you're going to interview. You know, Sean Payton okay, so there you go. for that job, but they haven't reached out so, yet to... There you go. Your f- culture philosophy. We know Jim Harbaugh likes to run the ball. They got Sam Donald. They're not looking to run the ball. But where... Oh, okay, so where does he end up? So Denver is, you know, obviously he's going to interview for that job this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Houston Texas job that, that's open all of a sudden. Uh, you look around, you know... Carolina is open. You've already kind of had a meeting, apparently. It doesn't look like you're getting that job. Where you got with Indianapolis? You know, Jim Irsay has apparently kind of put out feelers, you know, to investigate Jim Harbaugh's interest uh, and possibility because it does look like he's not going to keep Jeff Saturday. Maybe the Cardinals. Possibly if the Cardinals come Uh, open today. 
And then L.A. depends on what McVay does. I, I don't know. It's just interesting to me that right at, I mean, immediately after the playoff games open, hey, Harbaugh's leaving. Yeah. That that tells me that he's been telling people. Yeah. Listen, I, I think my time here is... Because it's different. Last year, yeah, he kind of took some meetings or whatever, but it's like, listen, I'm not real sure. I just wanted to explore, but well, I'm going to stay so here. That just shows that he is sure he was ready to go back to the NFL, and there's nothing wrong with that. The The issue came is whoever leaked it, and that's where the problem, you know, but he just, you know, making a statement. I'm ready to go back to the NFL. I'm ready to coach in the NFL again. You know, it's nothing personal against Michigan. That should be obvious. It's just he wants to give it his give it another shot at the NFL. He believes he can do it. Uh, you know, have another good run in the NFL. Why not? It's it's interesting. I I Jim Harbaugh, man. You know, he went out. It's not like he went out on the bottom. He went out on top. You know, you. Led a team to the Super Bowl. You had a top team in the NFL for years. And, you know, you you went out. You had good some good credit to your name. Yeah. You went to college. Went back to went to Michigan. It built up your name again. And so now you're wanting out. And that's the thing. I mean, people want to know why. I don't think it's anything personal. I just think, you know, he wants to be able to give it a crack at the NFL again. You know, give him that shot. Well, where he ends up, that's the bigger question. Mm-hmm. I, I say I'm still sticking with it. if McVay makes his decision to to you know step away, I'm still sticking to it. He goes back to the West Coast. Uh, I'm I'm saying he goes to the Rams. Possibly, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's interesting, uh, given given everything that's going on, you know, with with college football. It could go to Dallas. It, you know, this whole Jim Harbaugh saga. Uh, definitely going to be something that we're going to be talking about. It seems like not only this week, but probably in the next couple of weeks as well, uh, where he winds up and and that speculation. All right, moving on. That segue right into the NFL. The playoffs are set. We know who's playing who. So let's start with the NFC. Are the 49ers the team to beat? After yesterday. Yes. They are the team to beat. I I think they're going to get beat. My opinion, but Jimmy G. So there, there was an update on him yesterday that he could possibly be available for the NFC Championship game if they make it. Uh, he is starting to be able to put some weight on that foot, you know, and move around. Yeah, I, but I, but are we sold on Brock Purdy? I'm not. That's everybody's question because if you're sold on Brock Purdy, and I'm not even talking about just for the playoffs, but if you're sold on Brock Purdy, that's a whole different conversation going into the offseason. Right, because you still have Trey Lance somewhere under the sea, and <laughs> then on top on top of that is is what about Garoppolo? But this is why I'm not uh, sold on Brock Purdy, and I told you this before the show is he runs into a team that's able to stop him. Mm-hmm. You know that has a good defense, a very physical defense, a dominant secondary. What are you going? He hasn't been tested. True. He hasn't been tested. You know? And so what happens when he gets tested? Is he going to bow up or is he going to 
he, here's why I, I think Brock Purdy is a, a decent talent. He's got a good arm. He you know, seems to have a, an ability to command the offense. But here's why I still say that no matter who the quarterback is, San Francisco's the team to beat. You still have a good run game, good defense. It doesn't seem to matter who the quarterback is. Now, they didn't win with Trey Lance. That's the interesting thing to me about the 49ers is they didn't win with Trey Lance. But outside that, the quarterback position seems to be interchangeable. It doesn't really matter as long as you've got a quarterback who doesn't lose the game, who can be a game-managing quarterback. Right. But to me, out of all the teams that are going to be out there in the playoff bracket, San Francisco's the team that, as a team, they're solid. They've got a good run game. Purdy can throw the ball when need be. you got some receivers there. you got a good defense. You're going to be able to control the clock, you know, for the most part. And when you can do that in the NFL and you can make those sustained drives, you you are putting yourself in a position to win it all. Because now you're controlling the tempo of the game, which San Francisco's been able to do for the majority of the season. Yeah. You've got an offense that is replicable no matter where you play. You know, that style of offense. I I I say they're my pick right now to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. As it stands right now, they're 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 my pick. I wouldn't fight you on that, but like I said, they ain't been. He rather hasn't been tested, and if if he's that quarterback, then he's tested, and when he's tested, he'll. He'll stand, you know, he'll withstand the battle. But you have the Eagles right behind them. Yeah, they, that's my next thing. Yeah. You know, Hurts, he comes back. Philly gets on a roll. Hurts goes 20 for 35 with 229 yards passing. No touchdowns. But he also had nine carries for 13 yards. So he was able to kind of run around a little yeah. bit. Scaled back because, hey, you didn't have to win the game. You're already in the playoffs. He, you're kind of easing back into things. Yeah. But he seems to be able to pick up where he left off. Now, I still say that as a team, Philadelphia is not a great football team. We saw that. When they had to put in, you know, uh, Minshew, and, and they had to scale back that offense, they got exposed. Dallas, right. you know, exposed them. They got exposed. But now he's back. Now that's that goes back to where we were at with them at the okay. beginning of the year. That all of but, a sudden you're able to do whatever you want offensively. I know that. I know that. But let's just take it back here for a sec. Philly has the same team they've had for the last two years with Jalen Hurts. The only thing they've added is a corner and a receiver. And this is the thing: is when you have Jalen Hurts, is yeah, he's a running quarterback. He can hurt you with your legs. He can throw the ball. But he can be stopped. And that's where I think... But not over, yet. You, nobody, I mean, nobody's been able to stop him. This year. That's what I'm saying. It, there's uh, something but, different about him this year. There's something that has suddenly clicked with Jalen Hurts. That he, he has suddenly, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's, you know, Nick Sirianni's coaching, I, you know, the, the conversations, whatever it is. There's something about Jalen Hurts that has suddenly fallen into place, that he has become the quarterback that we all okay. thought he could be. Okay, so let's, um, and this is why, is because 
this is why the Eagles, because we've seen it with the Cowboys. Unlike San Francisco, they can't just put in anybody and win at, at quarterback. They can't just put anybody. No. Any, they can't do that. They've shown that. This is the thing with Jalen Hurts. We don't know how healed up he is, that shoulder. Yeah. So Maybe say it looked okay yesterday. Yeah, okay. Well, say he takes another good hit, running that the ball one. or getting sacked. Lands on that shoulder, okay. That's but that, it. that was what intrigued me about the fact that they, I mean, yeah, he only got uh, 13 yards, but they let him carry design quarterback runs nine times. Yeah. So that tells me that there's a confidence level in that shoulder. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that that is a confidence level that should be there, but it's a confidence level that, I guess, because of, you know, internal conversation yeah. was there yesterday. If that confidence level continues and he continues to be that dual threat quarterback, not only with the arm but but his ability, you know, on those design quarterback runs, or even just his ability to make things happen, you know, in situations where he's having to roll out and scramble and do all of those things, if he continues to be that guy, well, hey, no holds barred. It, it is what it is. Well, like I said, he get got to one good time. We'll yeah. see. That's all, and that's all I'm saying. Then you know, who is Philly? Who are they? You know, who well, are well they? they they have designed that offense around him. That was obvious when Minshew had to play because you could see that you know there were times where they wanted to call those design quarterback runs. They wanted to call some of those uh, zone read plays. They wanted to call some of the options, and and they weren't on the table because Jalen Hurts isn't back there. Yeah, and, and you saw that. So, I mean, that's going to be the big question is how healthy is he? And if he's healthy, what are teams going to do defensively to kind of scheme up, hey, we're going to make him sit back there and try and pick us apart. Not saying can or he can't, but that's got to be the philosophy. That's why I go back to San Francisco's style of football. It doesn't matter where they play or who they're playing, if they can control the tempo of the game, you can beat a team like Philadelphia because – you know, you're giving him limited chances now with the football. You're not going to beat him in a shootout. That's not going to happen. Not with him back there. But but if you can control the tempo and control him to an extent uh, and limit his ability to make those explosive plays, now you've got a winning formula. Yeah. Well, I just look at it as Eagles aren't, to me, they're, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're not a great like yeah, everybody wanted to a, crown them early yeah. on as like one of the best. No. no. They're they're a good team. But like I said, their identity hinges on Jalen Hurts. That's not good. Not long term. No, no, and that's why I'm saying and that's why I'm saying they're not I don't see them making it far. And honestly, if Dallas gets a hold of them again, Dallas may beat beat them. It may be an ugly game, but Dallas may beat them. In Philly, possibly. Yeah, and I'm just saying, if Dallas if Dallas goes on and beats Tampa Bay Monday, then they go on to Philly. In Philly, they may beat them. But here's the thing: I'm kind of going on to uh, the Cowboys. You know, for the Cowboys to be able to do that, you know, you're looking at you're getting Jalen, looking at not Jalen, it's like slowing Jalen. You're looking at getting Leighton Vanderish back. You're looking at getting Tyler Biotish back. Um, 
possibly even Jonathan Hankins. Uh, but Dallas has skipped past Tampa. Yeah. And I'm not saying Tampa's a great team. I, but see, I, I don't think they are. But after the disaster that was the Cowboys yesterday. Yeah, and so that's that's what I'm getting at. So you look at the key pieces that were out on defense. Van Der Esch is out on defense, and that's starting to show heavily. Yes. Uh, because the run game is, has gotten worse since he's been out. Uh, John, even with Jonathan Hankins. Now, may not have noticed it much when he was in, but he was a key factor to stopping that run on the defense. Mm-hmm. And this which was the reason why they signed him in the first place. Yeah, was to, to shore up that yeah. run defense. And so we've seen that yesterday where Dallas may have had more passing yards than the Redskins, but the Redskins tore Dallas up on that run. Yeah, they gashed them left yeah. and right. I mean, wherever they wanted and to so, go. And so, I mean, you look at it and you say, okay, Dallas, you got to clean this up. you got to get this together. But you realize that they have their, one of their key starters on defense out. Okay, and, maybe well, they do. two, two. But that three, does not three. change the fact that that offense yesterday was atrocious. Yeah. Dak goes 14 for 37, 128 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Then the run game, you couldn't get it going. Pollard had seven carries for 19 yards. Davis had five carries for 19 yards. Dak had six carries for 16 yards. And uh, Zeke had eight carries for 10 yards. Okay. okay. That's not and a I'll, formula for no, success. No, no, no. But I want to do. I want to talk about this real quick on that offense, the run game. Let's start there. And I've talked. We talked about this a little bit before the show. Is Zeke is not the running back that he was the first two, two, three seasons that he's with the Cowboys. As Cowboys, That's why fan, I didn't like the second contract. Yeah, the, I know as, why you had to, but yeah. I didn't like it. As a Cowboys fan, you want to believe that he'll get back there, but in reality, he's not. That knee hinges. On whether or not he'll be able to make the cuts, he can get around the curve. He's not as fast as he once was. He may still be physical, but he's not as fast. He's not the same Zeke. I mean, I don't care how much you want to put mindset to it. Physically, he's not the same Zeke, and it's because of that knee. And you've seen it yesterday in the game. He's not able to plant and then go like he used to be able to. He's planting and he's stopping. He's had, like, he, well, even in the screen game, you know, yeah. he's not the same guy. No. Uh, we were talking about that prior but, to going on the air, you know, that we're used to seeing him get those little screen plays and, and turn them go. into 50-yard plays. Yeah. Uh, and he's just not he's not as explosive. But you get that with these running backs. Yeah. Outside Derrick Henry, you get that with these running backs where, you know, they're the battering ram year after year after yeah. year, and that starts to really wear and tear on them. Uh, you no longer have the guys who can sustain that kind of uh, philosophy, that yeah. that kind of approach long term, and that's where you know the Cowboys really pigeonhole themselves, giving him that big second contract. Now, at the time, I understand you you really didn't have any choices, but now you're going to be in a position where it's going to come down to what do you do with Tony Pollard? Do you give Tony Pollard another contract? Uh, what does that look like? And a lot of that. But- is going to go back to, well, look at Zeke. You know, we gave him that second contract. And and it goes back to even his time at Ohio State. He was the guy. Right. I mean, he got all the carries. He didn't hardly come off the field. He was the guy. Understandable. You got to, you know, if you're Urban Meyer at that time, you got to do what you got to do to win football yeah. games. But I'll, but that's where we are in the NFL with these running backs. Yeah. Is that you're, you're, you've got guys who have been toting the rock for so long now that have – Taking hit after yeah. hit after hit. But I, I put that, that on. I put that on 
Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan. Even now with Kellen Moore and 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 Mike McCarthy, whoever is you know checking these guys in and out, you had running backs that were back there that could that could back Zeke up. You failed to go get, and then you did. You failed to go get actually good running back, actual good running backs to to back them up, and you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you you just you didn't. And other than when you had Alfred Morris, you know. And he did okay for a minute, but at the same time, you waited till Zeke started going down to say, "Okay, now we're going to do this rotation thing." Mm-hmm. Why? And if you go back and you look at Zeke's early years, the type of hits he was taking and being brung down at his knees, ankles, and all this—I I knew it then. I said that it may not be hurting him now in that moment, but sooner or later, it's going to wear on him. Because the way that his knees were bending and being stretched and pulled, then you you would think like, man, he's very flexible. No, but now we see it's hurting him. You know, yeah. it hurt him in the long run. And now you want to pull this. Well, we're gonna do this one one two punch thing. You're not doing it because you want to. You're doing You're it because you, you have, have to. to. Yeah. And so if here's you the keep thing, Zeke. Even if Pollard goes and you keep Zeke, you've got to have another running back. But now, okay. But here's the thing. You have Malik Davis. You said Malik had five carries for nine yard, 19 yards? Yes. He's averaging nearly four yards a pop. But you know when they put Malik Davis in? The last five minutes yeah, of the game. Late in the game. That makes no sense. Zeke couldn't do anything. Tony Pollard was barely able to do anything. You put this kid in, and he's gashing them. So my question is, and this is why I say Kellen Moore possibly worked himself out of a job, regardless of what they do in the playoffs, is because he failed to make decisions when it mattered to be able to win a game. Well, we've seen that consistently. Yeah. Well, and what makes this loss so bad is I was telling my brother the uh, last night, I said it's not the fact that Dallas is losing. It's the fact that Dallas is losing with their starters. The same starters that they're going to go in next Monday and play against the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Yeah. They lost against a backup quarterback. I'd understand if to a they, team that's been in turmoil all season. Yes, I'd understand if you had your backups in, and even then you may have did better than that. But you played with your starters. Ron Rivera may have won his job back. Like, yeah, and being you, the Cowboys, you couldn't do anything. That Prescott making unnecessary unnecessary passes that weren't there. You you're throwing into into double and triple coverage for what? There's nothing there, Dad. You're throwing in. This is the most asinine one right here is when you threw an out route and it almost got picked off. And then the very next play, you throw the same direction near the same corner to get it picked off for a pick six. Yeah. What were you doing? So you t- that it goes back to what, what we said about that is that you have an elite defense with an elite running game, with an elite offensive line, with a mediocre quarterback. And, the, and this is the thing that I say about it. when you mention that it's not being harsh and saying that isn't good. It's saying that isn't that good to be able to carry an offense like that. Yeah, but then you have people. Well, he did this. Look at his stats. Okay, that's fine. Tom Brady broke his own record yesterday. Yeah. Yet they still lost. Stats do not win you a game. Ask Tony Romo. Tony Romo passed surpassed some of the greats. Doesn't have mm-hmm. a Super Bowl. Could not win in the playoffs. It does not matter what your stats are. It matters if you are able to take a game into your hands and you can drop your team down the field to score. But, Dak but, Prescott 
has done that, do that on occasions, but he wasn't able to do it against a Redskins team that's not that good, and you just let them show you up. You could not, and you're making bad, bad choices. It's not the fact that he can't throw the ball. It's the choices of where he throws the ball. Well, one of the things that killed me is immediately after the game, during the press conference, his quote was, we all got to flip the switch. What switch? No, Dak, you, you, you have you to switch. Ha- you have to flip no, the switch. Th- there is no you know, switch to flip at this point. You went, like I said, 14 for 37. You were dreadful on offense. I mean, atrocious. You were bad. You have yet to... Win a big game when we need you to win a big game. What are you even talking about? I mean, not only can he not lead on the field, he's not a leader off the field. They, you know, Jerry Jones the whole off season. We well, you know, Dak's a leader. We we we, we got a lead. No, you don't have a leader. And then Jerry Jones comes out. Somebody needs to get that man away from a microphone. If there's a camera or a mic or a a, a cell phone out, tie that man up. Because he says, quote, we can turn this nightmare loss into a plus. How? You you blew your chance at a bye. Like, you blew that. Okay, you well, blew and your I, chance at I, a better I'll say seat. this. I'll say this. They didn't blow their chance because you look at that game yesterday. To even think and believe that the Cowboys could have gotten a first-round bye was la- is laughable. Uh, we were that team, yes. yeah. We, but I'm saying, nonetheless, whether we think that or not, they went into that game with that possibility on the table, and they now they wouldn't have gotten it anyways because you know San Francisco yeah. won their game. But you still could have won the division. Well, I mean, in a roundabout way, but but you you came into that with all of that on the table, and that was my thing is that you obviously the other teams you know didn't do their jobs as far as the Giants didn't beat Philly and. And Sam Fram won their game. But you could have put yourself in that position. It wasn't even close. Because no. now you're losing, and so it really doesn't matter what goes on. And right. that's kind of what he said. Well, at least we didn't have to look at that. You know, well, we messed up you know, earlier in the season. Why would you want to back your way into the playoffs? Which is what, he's, what they're doing. And then he says, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that as a team, not just individually, but as a team, we can come back and take this nightmare, whatever you want to call it, and turn it into a plus. Uh, I'm thrilled that we've got the opportunity, and I'm thrilled that we didn't have to look over there at the Philadelphia game and the San Francisco game and say, boy, did we mess up. The only way you could turn this nightmare, whatever you want to call it, as Jerry Jones says, into a plus is if you go into Tampa Bay and you shut them down completely. Yeah, you got. I mean, you. I'm talking. Beat you. Them yeah, like a you drum. gotta. Yeah, you gotta get to Tom Brady at least three times. Yeah, at least three times. You gotta shut their running down, running game down. And you better run the football right down there. Yes, that's the only way you turn this loss into a plus. Is that you go into Tampa Bay at home against temp, uh, Tom Brady and you shut them down. You shut him down completely. You you can't allow. That can't you can't allow for Dak to throw two picks. Oh, uh, that was an accident. I no, it's too late for that. Yeah, ain't no. Ain't, there's no more time. This is playoffs, baby boy. You you can't. This ain't time to be. Oh well, you know that was just a bad play. Is bad. No, no. Past that. No time for stupid play calls, Kellen Moore. And no time for giving up in routes, corners. 
Dallas has to fix. Dallas is beating themselves, and this is this has been a Dallas tradition. Nobody beats Dallas in the playoffs. Dallas beats themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, it's. I mean, and the only way you fix that is you work on that throughout the week. You work on your the corners are constantly getting beat in the middle. Nashawn Wright cannot cover to save his life. He can't cover. Yesterday I seen him get get just obliterated on a stop route, a curl yeah. route actually, and stopping yeah 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 it was a stop yeah and then went with it. Well, that's not even what happened. The dude just stopped, curled in, caught the ball. It was Dotson. Matter of fact, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what you call a curl stopping yeah. curl route. And so, but he did that. He got him. As a corner, you would think that, okay, he got me. I got to run back and make a play on the ball so he doesn't yeah. catch it. But no, he stops, turns around, stares at the guy, waits till he catches the ball, and waits till he starts running to run with him and tap yeah. him. Oh, what are you doing? At that point, you had enough time when you stopped and you knew that that ball is going to him. To run back and make a play on the ball, but you yeah, didn't he, do that. They don't play well in space. No, and then uh, Diggs doesn't either. The, none of their cornerbacks are good on the slant routes or in route. None of that. They get beat across the middle. And here's the thing: also with defense, you have to make a decision. It may not. Even, it may be too late now to even do so, but you have to make a decision to put Michael Parsons at middle linebacker because you can't have Anthony Barr picking up a receiver like Terry McLaurin across the middle. Yeah. He's getting burnt. It, the, the middle of that defense is a problem. Yes. And, and this was a defense that everybody wanted to crown it as an elite defense and an all-time defense. and all. When when your middle is as soft as Dallas's has been for the past few weeks, even in wins, yeah. uh, you're not an elite defense. No. You're a good defense, but maybe a borderline great defense at times, that's my, but you're not an elite. That's my whole argument. Your best linebacker is on the freaking defensive line as a defensive end. Why? Why don't you give that man linebacker reps? He's your fastest guy. Now, if you have Michael Parsons on Terry McLaurin, he could keep up with him. Now, I do think that this kind of conversation lends itself to the fact that the league has cooled off on Dan Campbell again. That you're not really, I mean, you know, there was early mentions about him in Denver. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Dan Quinn, not Dan Campbell. <laughs> but you know, there was there was you know early mentions of him in the Denver job because he was a finalist for that job, and then suddenly he backed out. If you're Dan Quinn, he's probably going, uh, what did I do? Because I may have blown my opportunity to go back and be a head. If he wants to be a head football coach again in the NFL, he may have blown his opportunity because last year you could blame it on the offense and all that. Now you're starting to see some holes in that great defense now. Granted, there were injuries, there are things that he can't control, but there are other things he can control that are now being questioned. That now it's not just, oh, the Cowboys well, have a great defense you have to, and they blew it. You have to give your defense different looks, you know. And everybody and did that last year. Yeah, we, but, We've seen less of that this but year. But everybody is already prepared for Michael Parsons on the edge. Yeah. We've seen that in the last few weeks. He's, he's getting to the quarterback less. He's, they're double-teaming him like yes. no, Yeah. So you have to give your defense. You have to give different looks. You can't plant Mac, Michael Parsons on the edge, whichever side, because they're go, they're going to know how to handle him. They have plenty of plenty enough time to study and to know how to fix it. 
And to put together packages yes. where you can put the tight end so and the laddie end. The only way you fix that, you put move him to middle linebacker, and you probably what? You probably rush Barr or, yes. or Leighton Vanderish, or if you send him into coverage. But you have to give different looks. I, I don't understand why Vanderish has not been rushing the quarterback. I don't uh, either. I, you know, there's been, and, and, you know, others have even questioned that because, you you did that with some success, and now all of a sudden, now we're just going to put Parsons yeah. and trust him with that. I, I don't understand that. But talking about the Cowboys' future, you know, because I've kind of thrown that out there with Dan Campbell about, you know, teams maybe cooling him off. Where does he fit in the coaching carousel? This is what I got she from the source. Dan Campbell. Ah, Dan Quinn. I'm sorry. You can tell this show is not scripted. But, but <laughs> well, I've got, because we're going to talk about Detroit next. That's oh, okay. Gonna, all right. That makes sense. All right. So, this is the same source who kept us up to date. If you followed along during the OBJ saga, he was spot on with his information, you know, then. Mm-hmm. So, very trusted source. Reached out to him this morning, and, and the question I asked was, he, he is an insider with the Cowboys. He's part of their press corps and all yes. this. So, I said, do you think there will be any changes to the Cowboys coaching staff if they lose to Tampa next Monday? He said, yes, if they don't win, I think McCarthy will be fired. Uh, I really believe that they don't make it at least to the championship game, that will happen. Everybody knows that Jerry wants Sean Payton now that he's free and available. And, I mean, that seems to be the talk within the organization is that if McCarthy doesn't at least get to the championship game, he's gone. Uh, that they will move in a different direction. Uh, now, Sean Payton is... Uh, being at or, you know, inquired about from different teams. You know, he's kind of told people in his camp Carolina would be interesting, but Carolina has not up to this point requested, you know, any sort of uh, permission from the Saints. Denver has. Uh, That's the only one that is formally, you know, because... So here's the situation with Sean Payton, and he kind of clued this up yesterday because he's still part of uh, Fox's coverage of the NFL. So he, he cleared this up for everybody. He is still under contract. Though he retired, it did not negate the contract. He has two more years on a contract with uh, New Orleans. The only way that he can go somewhere else, the team has to request permission from New Orleans to interview him. And if it materializes beyond that, there would be a trade. There would be some sort of a compensation. That was kind of the underlying current about why Dallas didn't just go ahead and fire McCarthy if that's what Jerry wanted to do. Mm. Because the thought process uh, on Jerry's part was, okay, if I wait a year, the compensation's not going to be as much. You know, I'm still going to have to give something up, probably in the form of draft picks and some money. But I'm not going to have to give up as much. But now there seems to be a sense within the Cowboys organization that, listen... If McCarthy falls short again on what we expect, we're going to really make that push for Sean Payton. But but the thing is, if you fire McCarthy, it's Sean Payton or bust at that point. Yeah. I mean like that that's that's where you're at. Uh you know, but but there it does seem to be a sense within in the organization that that's exactly the direction that the Cowboys want to go, uh, should but, they fall short. I, I'm looking at it now, man. And I said this earlier, uh, maybe about a month ago. The Dallas Cowboys, this is your it year. If you can at least get to the 
NFC Championship. This is your it year. You're not going to have Tyron Smith for another two years. You may have Zach Martin. You're not, but then you're you're gonna. You may not even have Dak Prescott. You may not have Ezekiel Elliott. You're not gonna have the same team and the same shape, the same caliber. It's not going to be the be the same because this you've done this two years in a row. But if you're Sean, okay, let's say you bring in Sean Payton, that changes everything. It does because it, he's gonna be able to bring in a, a quarterback that he wants. Yeah, Dan Campbell's gone by the way. So Dan, that's the interesting side. Dan is Quinn, that, yeah, Dan Quinn's gone. Uh, Golly. Dan Quinn's gone. We got to hear him get to the, to, to the lines because you're talking about yeah. keep saying Dan Campbell. But, but Dan Quinn's gone because uh, Vic Fangio has already been told, listen, the next job I get, you're on. Yeah. You know, he's already building his staff, and it doesn't include Kellen Moore, and it doesn't include Dan uh, right. Quinn. And so that staff in Dallas is, is out of there. Which might not be a bad thing. But th- I go back to last year. Dan Quinn has got to be kicking himself right now. For not taking that Broncos job. I Unless somebody say, else yeah, calls him. I won't say so. I'll say this. If he wants than, to be a head coach, that I, is. I don't think... He doesn't want to be a head coach. He's already stated that he doesn't want to be a head coach. Well, he was going to. He It was all but Yeah, but he done. was going to, but... And then he, he backed out. Yeah, he, does, he realized. Money. But nobody knows, and here's the other thing. I want to know, what did Jerry do? Because there was a, there was a meaning between him and Jerry, and all of a sudden... He removes himself from any conversations. What did Jerry tell him? Because obviously that's not going to be the case. You know, it was almost as if you're the head coach in waiting. Well, now nobody's staying. You know, if I if if we don't win, I'm going to fire him. And if I fire him, I'm getting Sean Payton. And if I get Sean Payton, he's going to clean house. The thing so is, what was that conversation like? I I don't know, but nobody ever. I mean, Jerry didn't I, tell anybody. Yeah. I don't know, and it probably is what it is. But I know one thing for sure, and I said this, is that Kellen Moore is for sure gone. Because before the show, I said this. It's a mix, it's a mixed match with, with him and Dan Quinn. Because when you have a, an aggressive defensive coordinator that runs an aggressive defense that gets stops, that can get you stops, then you have an offensive coordinator who's not aggressive, Who's iffy with his play calling, inconsistent, that that can't get his offense to capitalize on defensive stops. That's a mix match, because his defense is standing on the field eighty percent of the time, and the offense is constantly coming off because they can't get the ball. Dallas couldn't get the ball past their thirty, almost at all yesterday. Not even past the fifty. They did once, and that's when, that was that scoring drive. But even that came off of a, of a uh, pass interference. Mm-hmm. So they weren't. You're not. They weren't able at all to get past their fifty. That's bad. Yeah. So when you have an offense like that, an offensive coordinator with a defensive coordinator like coordinator like Dan Quinn, that looks bad on a resume. So I would not blame Sean Payton if he was to come in. I ha- I would hate it for Dan Quinn because. He worked so hard to build that defense up to what it is. Granted, they have some flaws, but it's a lot better than what it was in 2014 and even in 2016. It's a lot better. You have a lot more. You have better pieces in place. But I, I, I don't feel bad for Kellen Moore because you were given an opportunity and you were inconsistent. 
But this also says for Jerry Jones why he would put Mike McCarthy in this in this situation. It's almost as if he set him up. Because, well, I said that from the yeah, beginning of the year, it, that this it, seemed like... Because you you didn't give Mike McCarthy to, a chance to bring in his offensive coordinator. He had to keep Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. That's not fair because you're, you're working with a guy who is the product of the two guys that you fired, Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett. Kellen Moore is a product of them. He, he, he played under them. He coached under them. And now we're seeing he's even starting as an office coordinator. He's coaching just like Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan with his play calling. Every once and again, he has maybe about five to ten tricks in his bag, and he may pull them out. And, and it looks great. You're like, wow, what, did, what, what was this play? You know, other than that, it's the same old, same old plays, same old predictable offense. You you just don't have anything. You you gave Mike McCarthy nothing to work with. But I said that from the beginning that it felt like you were just holding out to see about Sean Payton. So we'll we'll, uh, follow that. All right, so let's look at the playoff matchups. And this is, I'm going to give you uh, point spreads as we go through. So this is going to be a wild card weekend coming up this weekend. You've got Seattle at San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco is 10.5 point favorites. Not surprising. The big story is Seattle's in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, hey, if I would have told you at the beginning of the year, Marcus Mariota would be playing a playoff game and Russell Wilson would not, would you have believed me? I'm sorry, uh, Geno Smith. Sounds like Marcus Mariota. Geno Smith. Uh, maybe not. No. Mm-mm. Matter of fact, the beginning of the season, I didn't even think Geno Smith was the guy for the for the job. No, I mean everybody assumed Drew Lock. Yeah. But uh, but what a great move by Seattle to keep Pete Carroll until Russell Wilson. See you later. Which we're going to break down more of that later. Uh, probably tomorrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you've got the Chargers at Jacksonville. Chargers one and a half point favorites on the road. But hey, Jacksonville, what a turnaround from last year. Trevor Lawrence has got figured out. Doug Peterson, you know, comes back. Shows, yeah. hey, I'm still an offensive guy. Uh, you've got Miami. They break their playoff drought. They're in... Still questions about whether or not two is going to be healthy enough to play. The assumption is he will. They got to play on the road in Buffalo. Buffalo ten and a half point favorites. That doesn't shock anybody due to you know the earlier game when two did play and Buffalo uh, dominated. You've got the Giants at Minnesota. Now this goes back to what we've said about the Vikings that they're frauds. They're only three point favorites at home against wow. New York. I think they can beat New York. I, I do too, but that says more about how Minnesota is viewed. Yeah. You know that you're you're at home against the Giants, who last year were were an atrocious team. Now give Brian Dabble credit. I mean he's changed the the mentality with that football team. He's got things going, but you're only a three point favorite at home. Then you've got Baltimore at uh, the Bengals. Bengals six and a half point favorites at home. That's not a surprise. 
And then Dallas, three-point favorites currently on the road going to Tampa Bay. So we'll see. We'll see if that holds throughout the week. I'm interested to see, you know, with different reports and things, what, what's yeah. going to But that's as of today, those are the playoff odds. We'll see. I, I thought those were interesting, you know, some of those. Yeah, um... I just, you know, Dick, Dick. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I keep hanging on this, this Viking still. Because the worst thing that can happen, I ain't going to say it's the best that can happen. But the worst that can happen is we call, we've been saying Vikings are frauds. And they make, end up going to the Super Bowl. Kirk D. Cousins gets his chance. Yeah. We'll see. That, that's a possibility. Yeah. I, but, I but, mean, you're only three-point favorites at home. Uh, that's interesting. And then, uh, you know, I mentioned Detroit. Green Bay misses out on the playoffs. Seattle's in, you know, of course, because Detroit goes on the road to Lambeau, dominates. Uh, you know, don't make the playoffs, but what a turnaround year. At one point you're 1-6, and six, and then now you're beating Green Bay at home. What a turnaround. What a great job by Dan Campbell. Very possibly the last time that we see Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau, he's walking off the field, doesn't want to give up his jersey. Him and Randall Cobb seen crying before the game, crying after the game, walking arm in arm, making sure that they leave the field at the same time. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, visibly just kind of soaking it in. A lot of questions that as we go into the offseason to talk about there, you know, what does he do? Who's but next? How uh, crazy is that? Get a contract. You give him a contract, a big contract at that. And then he still looks around and said, I don't want to be here. I don't think I want to stay around. Yeah. That's bad for Green Bay. <laughs> but, I mean, for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, man, listen. It's it's like you work with what you had, what they gave you. Mm-hmm. You're the best you could. Well, I, I think it comes down to Aaron wanted to try and stay for the fans. And he thought, okay, I can get some sort of control, that they're going to relinquish some sort of control, and it didn't happen that way. Yeah. You know, and you, and then you kind of watched him, and it got to a point where, hey, I'm just out here playing football. I'm going to go through the motions. We'll see what happens. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, okay, Black Monday. I'm sure we're going to have more to talk about tomorrow as the day progresses. So the Diamondback, I mean, uh, not the Diamond, the Cardinals, Arizona have moved on from their GM, but still no news on Cliff Kingsbury. Of course, because he's the, he's the problem. <laughs> they, well, <laughs> but they, uh, ownership is going to be meeting with Kingsbury at some point today, so we're probably going to have more news on that. Lovey Smith, gone. The interesting thing was that Houston didn't wait till today. They waited they, late they, last night. Late last night, I got a text from... Uh, the same inside by the Cowboys is also a, a part of the Texans press corps. He sent me a text late last night with a statement uh, from Houston saying that they had fired Lovey Smith. Uh, there was a rumor last week that Sean Payton may have interest due to the fact that they have the number one pick in Bryce Young. So that's something to be on the lookout. But their main target uh, seems to be Josh McCowan, of all people who was a career backup in the NFL. He's from Jacksonville here in East Texas. Uh, played there in Jacksonville. At one point was a player for the Texans. 
you know, last cycle there was rumors about him getting that job. Apparently, they're still hung up on him. But, you know, like me and the source were talking about, why? He's never coached. Like, you don't know if the guy can coach. Did nobody learn from Jeff Saturday? Like, has nobody learned? It is a love story between these these GMs and these former former players. Yeah. Because he played in the NFL, you can coach in the NFL. I guess that's their mentality. You don't have have to prove it. And and I feel bad for Lovey Smith. They played hard for Lovey. He was in games that he had no business being in, and all of a sudden he has chances to win. Uh, you know, I, he got the short end of the stick. It, you know, it's just one of those things. We'll see yeah. where he lands or if he wants to continue, you know, his coaching career. And then another name to be on the lookout for, uh, who who said yesterday, listen, I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm going to take a step back, take a deep breath, evaluate all my options. Is Sean McVay, who suddenly is back on the the train of possibly leaving the NFL, going into broadcasting being flirted with, you know, by some of these studio uh, that that are looking for some analysts, maybe a game analyst, whatever that's going to be. If you're Sean McVay, if you're going to leave, you leave now. Because if you don't leave now, you don't get these opportunities. Like, the, right, the luster's right, gone. Right. And it's all going to come down to, do you want to hit the reset button? Because it seems like that's what you're going to have to do to an extent in L.A., yeah. Maybe not go full rebuild, but a reset. And so I think it's going to come down to how committed is he to doing what you're going to have to do to move some pieces around, you know, and do what would need to be done to, to go back to competing. Baker Mayfield's coming out now and saying, listen, I think I'm a starting quarterback in the NFL. So he, you know, if he says he wants to be the starter, yeah. and, and we'll, we'll dig into those things as we kind of move on from the end of the season. But those are some of the headlines right now in the coaching world as of this morning. Again, you know, Black Monday's still going on. Going to be some memes this afternoon. Uh, I expect us to be talking extensively about this tomorrow. If we get these updates and across our screen says that you know Kingsbury gone, I would not be. I would not. I think he's gone. I think I would be surprised. Um, Then McVay leaves. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at that. But what I would be surprised surprised at is if Houston does go ahead and hire this Matt Cowan dude. And I wouldn't be surprised because according to our source, that's that's who over, they want. But that's a love affair. Get over, I mean, he hasn't proven himself. Well, I agree. He, uh, where has he coached? Has he coached anywhere? No. High school maybe? Uh, I think he did coach a little bit at the high school level. Who? Uh, I don't even remember now. Like you can it wasn't find, a major team. It, 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 you can find it because it was the same with Jeff Saturday. Who did he coach to? And and this is the thing about the NFL is they get they these GMs and these owners have these love affairs with these players, and as soon as they retire, well, well, he's not technically even retired. He like just he stopped. Yeah, he, he gets just signed. Yeah, he's just not playing. That's even worse. So, <laughs> I mean. <sighs> I don't know what else to say. Why would you do that to yourself? I have no idea. He hasn't. So he was a volunteer coach at Marvin Ridge High School in Waxhaw, North Carolina. At one point. This was back in 2010. 2010? <laughs> yeah. What has he done since then? He's also been an assistant coach here in Rusk. I knew it was somewhere around here. 
Uh, temporarily, where his son plays. They sucked. Yep. Pittsburgh blew So he in, he interviewed, that was back in 2019, yeah, I remember that. I knew it was somewhere around here. And then he interviewed Young know, for the Texas job, didn't get Wait, it, but now apparently they want him. When did when did he coach at Rusk? 2019. Or, or prior to 2019, 2018. That's when Pittsburgh blew them out. Yep. So, I mean, that's who you're looking at. But They sucked. All right, well... We've gone through two hours. A lot to cover. We'll be back tomorrow because, again, we're going to a daily show now. Yes. This is different. This is new. Time's up. (laughs) But we'll see y'all tomorrow. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Remember to tune in here on Facebook, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You want to go back, listen to the show. We're going to be uploading that. And uh, we will see you tomorrow with more from Good Old Sports. Have a great day. And be looking for updates not only on here but on our TikTok (laughs) all of our social media pages. We'll see you tomorrow.